Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Saba from the Middle East because we're going to talk about the first Israeli and Middle Eastern venture firm or crowdfunding platform. We'll find out more about what it is, why there is such a partnership going on and what's the rationale also for them to set up in Abu Dhabi global market. So thank you so much for joining Saba. How are you today? I'm great and thank you for having me on your podcast. Wonderful. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? How did you get to do what you do today? So uh, I've been in investments all my life. A lot of it is early stage. I'm from Abu Dhabi and I've been investing in the Gulf region predominantly, a little bit in the wider Middle East. And after the Abraham Accords were announced, um, our crowd that was introduced to me by a mutual um, acquaintance between myself and John Medved, the founder and CEO of our crowd, he is from New York. And we got into uh, discussions and we ended up uh, deciding to work together. And for the wider audience, Abraham Accords talk about the opening up and opening up trade routes and investments between Israel and the Arab world, right? It's the Abraham Accords was the normalization of relationships between Israel and various countries, including UAE and Bahrain. So what has attracted you to our crowd? What can you tell us about our crowd? What they do? What is what is this platform about? Okay, so our crowd is really two pieces. Uh, One, it is a VC, like any normal VC, and then it also has its own fintech platform that allows uh, investors, it democratizes venture investing by allowing investors to invest in our deals, but not necessarily at the large amounts, ticket sizes that are requested by your usual VC funds. So what we do is we we have our own deal flow generated directly by our team and, and by our network. We do DD, we invest, if we decide to invest in it from our own balance sheet, then we will also put it on our fintech platform, which today has 160,000 accredited investors worldwide and growing uh, fast. And they can uh, join us in our investments, usually at very uh, low minimums that, you know, from 10,000 and above for single, usually for uh, company investments, and 50,000 and above usually for our funds. So we have nearly 30 funds and over 300 direct investments into companies. Each investment is a separate one. Right. So it's a combination of VC and crowdfunding, really. Correct. Yes. Yeah. We like to call it crowdsourcing because we lead and uh, because we put our own investment in first, we are naturally aligned. Our interests are aligned with all of our network on our platform. All right. And of course, our crowd have started in Israel and they invest in many companies around the world. So 
now why expanding to the UAE and setting up in AD, ADGM? Okay, our crowd, their investment portfolio is approximately 50% Israel, 50% the rest of the world. So it's already global. Uh, it has 15 offices worldwide now, including the ADGM one. So the idea of expanding uh, uh, globally is absolutely not new. The idea to expand into the, the Middle East and 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 use the the Middle the UAE in particular as a gateway to other regions such as Africa and South and Southeast Asia is a natural part of the expansion strategy of our crowd. The reason we decided on Lobby Global Markets, it's the first place we've opened our office. It's a international financial center. It's well known. It uses common law, which is well understood worldwide. And it's a good place, uh, a good first office for us to have in, in the Gulf region. All right, great. So let's talk a little bit more about the money. You talked about the tickets, right, on the crowdsourcing side, as you call it. Yes. So how much money are we talking about that uh, our crowd uh, raised since inception and how many startups they invested in? You said 50% in Israel, 50% outside of uh, yes. Israel. I know that I've seen some awards about the most active Israeli VC fund, etc., Yes. So what does that mean in total? Okay. Our total, to the, as of today, our total assets under management, and this includes commitments as well as invested capital, is uh, $1.8 billion. Uh, as I said, we have 300 companies currently in the portfolio, and we do approximately two to three investments a week. That's how active we are. Now, to do that, of course, it's not as if we just do every deal. We do DD on about 100 and to 150 applications a month. And to do that, we are a, a, a full service team with close to 300 uh, employees worldwide to manage that flow. And we continue to expand our geographic footprint, as I said, and look at more and more deals. Now, in terms of stage, we invest anywhere from pre-seed uh, to pre-IPO. In fact, in the last three years, the largest unicorns in the U.S., we were investors in each of those. Lemonade last year, Uber the year before, and and Beyond Meat the year before that. So we are active at at all stages and we, we continue to grow. All right, great. So for your office in Abu Dhabi, what are your ambitions? Are you looking for startup or investment ideas in the Gulf or wider Middle East or MENA? And what kind of startups or you know sectors are you looking for, for as first as a priority? To start with, for for our crowd, we call it our crowd Arabia. Our crowd Arabia is looking to provide the same services and opportunities as our crowd Israel, the, our parent, which you know, we're one hundred percent owned. We're just looking at different geographies, starting in the Middle East and then growing into Africa and South Southeast Asia. These three main business lines are investments into promising startups. And just the R-Crowd model, we'll continue within the R-Crowd model, which is we look at tech-enabled startups with compelling offering. We are sector agnostic other than that, and we are stage agnostic. And But what we look for are companies that, that provide provide the potential for global growth and to provide global solutions. So that's on the investment side, on investor relations. As we get all our regulations in place, we'll also be looking to source funds from these new regions for our crowd as part of the our crowd group. And the third part is business development. So 
Our crowd is very active in supporting its portfolio companies in developing its businesses globally. So we are currently working with close to 10 of our portfolio companies quite closely to build a deep business in the UAE. And we look to continue to do that for companies where they're at the right stage to expand geographically, their products uh, or services make sense for the region, we'll continue to help them to uh, expand their business and vice versa. As we continue to invest, as we begin to invest, we've made our first investment two weeks ago and we hope to continue in the region. We'll help the Middle Eastern companies to expand globally with our 15 global offices. And now if we zoom in on fintech, what kind of verticals within fintechs uh, do you like or you, you want to prioritize potentially? So here, and here I'm speaking about our crowd, Arabia. So fintech is the largest tech sector in the Gulf region. That's not surprising given the very strong financial services sector, traditional financial services sector here. Within fintech here, I'm not talking about, again, where our crowd is focusing on, but where we see actually the most interest in, in by, by entrepreneurs. We, again, are agnostic. As long as it makes sense, we're... we're, we're, we're because the Middle East has a lot of expatriates and migrant workers, we're, we're seeing a lot of activity in the payment systems. We're also seeing quite a bit of activity in RegTech. The Middle East is around 20 countries. RegTech makes a lot of sense and would make a lot of sense as we expand into the multiple countries and regions such as Africa and uh, South and Southeast Asia. I'd say in the, the final part where we're seeing a lot of activity is micro-lending. In the bigger developed markets, micro-lending is not as prevalent. You can have, and we have seen super growth in, in very large economies such as Egypt, various uh, African countries such as uh, Kenya, Ethiopia, and so on, and, and South and Southeast, and India, and, and Pakistan, and uh, Indonesia, and Malaysia, where micro lending makes a, a, a lot of sense and has seen a lot of traction. And you mentioned that. Obviously, the fintech's growth in the region is not a surprise because of the strength of the traditional financial services sector. So what are your thoughts on fintechs B2B versus B2C? Watch the media or, or the read the news all around the world. Of course, the focus is on B2C, but this year, two-thirds of the fintech funding worldwide went into B2B. And yes. uh, also, the discussion has shifted from let's disrupt the world and uh, shut down the banks, etc., to perhaps cooperate. So how do you see it in the region? Is it the same or is this? Yeah, uh, think, are there any nuances to it? I think it's it's not just the same. I think we, we started in the region in terms of looking how to work with banks. The entrepreneurs here, again, when you're looking at the region as a whole, is big and makes sense. But if you just try to do it market by market, it, each market might be too small. Now, trying to manage the regulatory framework across 20 markets is extremely difficult on your own. So why do that? That's one. Two, I think we've seen that it is, it takes, it, 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 it's very rare for a tech to come and just simply replace our current, current types of business, be it in financial services or not. I'll give you a simple example. Zoom was around for a, a long time before COVID came. It took a massive exogenous external shock for this adoption. 
So I, I strongly believe that, that uh, where fintech can do best is to work closely with the, our conventional financial services to extend and make more efficient and effective the services. I extend the current services to new services and the current service offerings more efficient and effective. And I think that's the right way to go. Maybe one day we will see a lot of fintech completely uh, displace conventional services. But I think as a, a first step, at least for a decade, you're going to see fintech prosper when they uh, work closely and in alignment with conventional financial services. Understood. I think that was a good point about go-to markets and the strategy in the region where it's not homogeneous. It's so many different regimes. We said in, in regulatory regimes, it's 20 countries or so you can look at, and it's uh, small markets one by one. So you need to find a better way or more efficient way to scale up and maybe that through cooperation and partnership. Let's see. Yes. Now, uh, how do you look for deals? Because that's also related to it, right? Of course, you've been in the region in this business for quite some time. So you have your network and I'm sure you have uh, plenty of inbound ideas, <clears throat> but also proactively, how do you do it efficiently? Or especially, for example, now when it's uh, more difficult to travel how do you reach out to entrepreneurs so, in different countries in the region? For us, it's a little bit different than in Israel. There is far more funding chasing startups and entrepreneurs, whereas here there's far more entrepreneurs and there's funding. So they find you. <laughs> it's much easier. But over the last uh, 25 years, it's not just I've had my network. I've been working with mentoring and, and supporting various startups. So you know who the entrepreneurs are, when they want to spin up, and it's at Actually, getting allocation is easier than, than your, your regular listeners might know of as what happens in Israel, where allocation might be difficult to get. The other point I'd make is that here, where most of the institutional funding is at the seed and A round, you know, with our crowd, who we go all the way to pre-IPO, we've become an interesting sought-after VC because we can continue to support our startups beyond the A round. And because we do each investment as a separate uh, SPV, we don't have to be in an investment period. We don't have to have an actual life fund investing because we can just make a decision if we would like to invest. If we do, we put money on from our balance sheet and then we put it on the platform. So because we provide that flexibility, we provide the ability to continue funding multiple rounds with our startups, we're finding that we can attract and source quite a few deals. And, and you also talked about the fact that you are helping the startups operationally or maybe giving advice. So it's more about just giving them money, but it's also about knowledge transfer, right? But yeah. let's maybe start from the beginning. What is your investment approach when you do get to the invest as well, pre-seed or A round, and you said okay. you can actually grow with them until the IPO, which is great because often that is an issue, right? Often. Yes. That is potentially one of the factors while the startups don't grow up in some countries because the investors cannot support them further. Yeah. So they other other than going abroad for funding, yeah. then they are stuck. So what is your investment approach in terms of being active or passive? How you know do you look so, for board seats every single time or are you flexible? How does that work? 
So here I'll focus more on Aircrowd Arabia, which is very similar uh, to, to the Aircrowd approach. So yes, we, we do look for, for board seats, and, and especially in the early stages. At later stages, when we're not leading around, and we might just ask for observer status. So keeping an eye on our, our, our having good transparency into our portfolio companies is essential if and when they, they want further funding, where we already know what our decision is going to be. Uh, the second here, as we start out with our Crowd Arabia, our first investment uh, was in a, a fund, that's uh, fund two of Global Ventures, uh, a Middle Eastern UAE-based VC. And the idea here is we don't want to come in and compete. There's lots of space here. And by working first with the VCs, it allows us to, to get far better visibility, far better deal flow. And it helps us with these early stage because the main VCs in the Middle East are all early stage. The, we can help support the later round growths that, that they might not be able to. So a B round might be $20, 25000000 million. And if the VC itself, VC funds here are between 50 to 100, they, they, they cannot really lead that. We can come in with them and as co-investors and help lead the round and, and build it. So th that is our real approach. In terms of the early stages, as John Medved likes to say, the three most important uh, factors are people. Do the people make sense? Does the team work well together? How does it work? Do they have a, a firm belief? Of course, as with everyone, as serial entrepreneurs will get preference, but, but we have a, a, a a, a disciplined approach at the global level that takes that takes uh, that go through a process that leads to an investment committee a review and a vote. All right. So, uh, to wrap up, what would be your final message to entrepreneurs in the region thinking about starting their businesses, and also potentially to investors from abroad that may hear about our crowd Arabia, they maybe want to co-invest with you, right? What would be your key message to them? What is there to be done in 2022? Okay, so to the entrepreneurs in the region, I'd like to say we hope to now that we've gotten licensed and we're finalizing our operational buildup to become very active and to please be in touch with us. To the international investors, I'd say that our crowd as a whole with, the, with this new uh, subsidiary, our crowd Arabia, will give two main things for 2022. One, it gives them geographic diversification that is, is relatively new for them. There's uh, very few international players that are none that I know of, actually, that have a strong focus on expanding into this region. The second thing is, is that because of that, we're seeing valuations here that are a little bit more, I would say, sensible than we're seeing in some of the uh, more well-known centers. So what this means is that although the startup scene is younger, which might increase risk a little bit, your pricing is much more favorable, which more than offsets that decreases risk quite considerably. All right. Thank you so much. What would be the best way to find out about our crowd and our crowd Arabia? So the best way to find out about our crowd is to go to ourcrowd.com. And, and if you want to know about our crowd Arabia, you can reach me on Sabah, S-A-B-A-H, at ourcrowd.com. All right. Wonderful. So thanks so much, Sabah, and uh, best of luck to our crowd and our crowd Arabia. Okay. Thank you, Rudolf. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. 
You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.